Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 tonight. Philippians 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. There was a teenage boy that had a dog. And man, this dog was extremely faithful to him. When when this boy went up to go to sleep at night, this dog went and jumped right in the bed with him, curled up next to him, went to sleep. If the boy had to go to the restroom during the night, he would get out of bed with him and he would go sit at the restroom door. And then he'd go back to bed with him. And then when he got up in the morning for school and he went down for breakfast, there was that dog sitting at the breakfast table right there at his feet. And then, he, and then the dog walked him to the bus stop. And when the boy got on the bus and took off, his dog chased that bus just as far and as fast as he could until the bus got out of sight. And then the dog went back home, waited for him, to get out of school and come back to the bus stop. When the boy got off the bus stop, you guessed it, that dog was sitting right there waiting for him. He walked him home, sat at the dinner table with him while he ate his dinner, went around the house with him throughout the evening, following him for whatever he was doing, and then back to bed, and there's the dog with him, faithfully by his side, never leaving him. You know, what What would really cause this animal to be so focused on following his master and being right there by his side. Well, a little background on the situation was this dog was running loose and this dog was all alone and he had no home and he was just primed for the dog catcher. Just the kind the dog catcher wanted to pick up. He had the mange. He had tapeworm. He had hookworms. He had fleas. He had ticks. He had dreadlocks. And but the boy, but this boy picked up the dog before the dog catcher got him. And he took him home and he medicated him, and he washed him, and he cleaned him up, and he fed him, and he loved him. And apparently, the dog didn't forget it. And you and I were once straying in sin. Maybe our sin was out in the open. Maybe it was down in the alley. Or maybe it was the sophisticated kind that we try to keep in our head. But nevertheless, somewhere along the way, Jesus found us and He saved us from all of our sins when we trusted in Christ. No matter where we were, God's grace discovered us and He washed us by the blood of His Son and we became children of God. I don't know about you, but that's enough 
for me to have joy tonight. I pray that you're joyful in the house of God tonight because of what God has done for you. But not only that, that's enough to make you and I hang on His every word that He has for us. And, and not only that, there's something else that we ought to do. We ought to, we ought to despise and hate anything that is not of the truth, that is against God's Word. And lastly, that's enough to make you and I worship the Lord tonight, that He saved us, that He has given us something to do to serve Him. He has been very good to us, and we need... We need to keep pressing on. In the past chapter, we t- I was going to ask the teenagers this way, so I'll just ask you. In the past chapter, we talked a whole lot about what? What was that subject? I heard something. Unity. Unity. I tell you what, Ryan, he's something else these days. Unity. We talked a whole lot about unity. Paul expounded on unity. And then, Ryan, uh, we were given two examples of unity in two people. Who are they? So close. Timothy and Epaphroditus. But I'll give you an A on that. Uh, Started with an E. I mean a T. But uh, (laughs) maybe I need a worse grade. So he gave us examples, and now we're going to move on from unity. We've settled, we've been given what we need from the Lord for unity, one with another, and it's time for the people of God to, to press on. And you know, that, that little dog pressed on in the same process, the same cycle every day, following his master and just adoring his master. And you and I have a master, Savior in heaven, and and he's worthy of our adoration. And he's given us enough that we can press on. And we there's a lot of reasons why we need some help to press on in this world. There's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of things we're going to, to face. But we're going to look at those four things, look, that must exist in our lives for you and I to be able to press on in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing I'd like us to look at is joy in the Lord. You see in the beginning of verse 1, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I looked up every single one of those words in the Greek, and this is what I came up with. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. It's plain and simple that God has called you and I to rejoice. It is something that must and should be going on in our lives. You know, we can fail to be unified by failing to guard ourselves with the things that God has given us. Look, a Christian can get all out of sorts and in all kinds of situations, but joy is something that guards you and I. Stepping back to unity just for a minute, sometimes the church might be out of unity and it's nothing to do with the church. It might be in someone's personal life. It might be something going on in the personal life outside of church and they're not guarding their heart. They're not guarding their heart with the joy of the Lord. Joy is something that we can always have. There's always something to rejoice in and it it guards our heart. It guards you and I. We can rejoice in the Lord because He's looking after us. 
He's always watching after us. We can rejoice in the Lord because we can't be separated from Him. We can rejoice in the Lord because we're not going to die. Look, I know we're going to shed this body one day, but we have eternal life. So there is a biblical true sense in me telling you that, hey, we're not going to die. And if Jesus comes back before we leave, we're not going to face physical death at all. But, but there's things that we can rejoice in the Lord about. God has set us up to where no crisis has to conquer our lives. We're more than conquerors through Him who loved us, okay? We face temptation. We face division. We face disease. We have to deal with death in this life. Look, but we are a people who have been saved to press on. He's, God has saved us and He's left us here for His glory. And you and I are able to press on through all things. But look, rejoicing must exist. In the Christian life. And all we have to do is look to our master who, who loved us and saved us and delivered us and takes care of us. And it's really easy for the child of God to rejoice. And that is something that must exist. If we're not rejoicing, we're going to be regressing. That's how important it is that we be rejoicing over what our father has done for us. Over just who he is and what he has done, period. If we're not rejoicing in the Lord, we're going to be regressing. We rejoice by thinking on all the Lord has done. We rejoice. Rejoicing is ignited when we talk about it. It's one thing to meditate and to think on what God has done for us. And we should do that. And that's very important. But oh, when we praise His name out loud. When we talk of what God has done for us. There's just an igniting to that. There's a power in that. And that's what you and I ought to, ought to be doing. Look, we may suffer in life some, but we're saved. Okay? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we can rejoice in that. God is our guide for life. Jesus says in John 15, 11, these things... Have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full? Jesus says that your joy might be full. Psalms 5.11 says, let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Considering what God has done in His salvation for us, for Jesus enduring the cross, for the joy that was set before Him, He wants to see a people that are His rejoicing. Rejoicing through it all. Rejoicing in their salvation. Rejoicing in all that God has done. You know, if we don't exercise our joy that we have in the, in the Lord... This cruel world will empty us of it. You know, I've never thought about joy this way. But in a sense, when, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. 
I'm not talking about losing it permanently. I'm not, I'm talking about not walking in a joyful state. If our mind isn't on Him, if we're not speaking of the great things He has done, there, we're, we're, we can be really good naturally in speaking of the negative things that are going on. There's always something we could talk about. There's always something that could be the hot topic that's sour, that's wrong, that's, that's unjustified. It's just a matter of, of, of uh, a lack of justice in something. But, but what about God? What about considering all of His goodness? What about considering He who we can rejoice in all the time? If we're going to press on, we have got to rejoice in the Lord. But we also have to feast on the Word of the Lord. We have to hang on every word of the Lord. Would you look at the end of verse 1 with me? Paul says, To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. Paul didn't have any doubts, any second guessing, any qualms with writing the same truths over to this church that he had written before. The things he had said to them, the things he had preached, he is writing them again. And he had no problem with that whatsoever. He wasn't wincing in that. He wasn't doubting himself on what he should write because the Bible is repetitious and the Word of God is something we need repetitive. We need it all the time. You know, we should always show up with the spirit and with the attitude that God's going to do something greater than we're expecting Him to do in His house. But look, if we come to the house of the Lord and all we see on the surface and the motions we go through is just sharing His Word, sharing a word from the Lord that you've already heard before, that you already know, you've given a little, a little devotion on it already, you know this word. You know what? It is very good and very needful for you and I to be refreshed on the Word of God over and over. The same thing over and over. I mean, just like a wheel that turns. It turns round and round. And we need to go round and round through the Scriptures. And it keeps us fresh. And, and it's just what we need. We hear something in a different way sometimes. You know, we, we talked about... We gave in a biblical account at camp of of some uh, great men of the Old Testament to, to help us with our fears. And you know what? As I studied that, I came into things I've never thought about before. There was something fresh and new in the same old accounts that I had been through so many times before. And we need the Word of God. We need the repeating of the Scriptures. You understand? That's the cycle that you and I need to be in. The repeating of the Scriptures over and over and over. Christians need the same truths in order to press on. We must hear it. We must read it. We must study it. We must apply it. And then we'll, re then we'll hear it again. And we read it again. And we'll study it again. And we apply it again. It's a cycle that we desperately need. It is a must for you and I to press on. We need to esteem the Word just like Job more than our necessary food. It's, it's what it's going to take for us to press on. If we don't, if we don't, we're going to be tripped up by the hurdles of life. You know, and we'll look back and we'll see how beneficial, how powerful the same old, same old was over and over again. I, I grieve over those Christians who are not 
serving the Lord anymore. I believe it was Ethan that mentioned at camp that a lot of the guys he was in high school with here are not here anymore. And they're gone. And and the amazing thing that is keeping you and I and keeping us in this cycle to press on is simply to feast on the Lord's word together over and over. We ought to be overcoming our hurdles rather than being tripped up by them. We must focus on our Lord's word in love and in loyalty to Him. We ought to follow around and embrace His word like that dog did his little teenage master so we can press on. The joy of the Lord. It's a must. It it, it must exist in the life for us to press on in a spiritual, healthy manner. The Word of the Lord. We need it. We need to know it. We need to know what's not the Word of the Lord also. Look with me in verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. When I, need, when I say we need to know what's not the Word of God... I'm not saying that we ought to go out and study all of the world religions. I mean, a a lot of us know about false religions in the world because we've witnessed to people of that belief and they've told us what they believe. And and so we, we gather it without focusing on it. I don't think we need to focus on what somebody else believes to be able to help them. I believe we need to focus on the Word of God and it will immediately come up what disproves what they believe, what is in opposition to God's Word whenever they speak it. So we know what's not the Word of the Lord by studying the Word of the Lord. We don't need to, we don't need to take an interest in the thoughts and the opinions of others in false languages, but we need to, uh, we need to know God's truth. And I tell you what, these, these evil workers, man, they have an offense. I, and what I mean is they're pressing forward. And they're very aggressive. You understand, they don't have the draw of the Holy Spirit to get people into their religion. Not that, not that we shouldn't be aggressive in outreach. The lost, the, the unsaved, the, the cults, they're very aggressive in their outreach. Even more aggressive than a lot of the Lord's true churches so shame on us if, if that be the case. But these, these evil teachers, they roam. They're like scavengers. They're vicious. They're always looking for prey. If they stumble on you and you speak of their, of your faith or you speak up to help someone else in defense of, of one of the little sheep, man, there's going to be a viciousness going on in that evil worker. You're not going to see it, but they're going to be, it's going to be like a wild animal that hasn't had anything to eat for a week and you just took their dinner by saving that little sheep or by speaking up of your faith. There's a, there's a viciousness. It's like, it's like a dog with the foaming of the mouth as we consider these evil workers and these false workers. In Matthew 7.15, they're spoken of as ravening wolves. They're like a very angry, hungry wolf. 
But all of this violence is on the inside of the false teacher. It's very sweet on the outside. They're manipulators. They will try to, they will try to make you think they're one of you, but they're not. They're imposters just like Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot among the rest of the apostles. That's how they are. And they're out there in the world. And I'll tell you what, there are, there are so many people that I'm amazed that they easily fall into wrong teaching. I've called people up that have left this church after I diagnosed the place that they went. And they didn't even want to hear the, what the Bible would have to say to tear up someone's beliefs where they are sitting under the sound of something that is going on. I'm telling you, we need to know what is not the Word of God. We need to embrace the Word and we need to stand against it. The world is full of religious imposters today. There was a time that I was uh, quite naive and I still am about some things, but not about that stuff. Man, not about that. They are everywhere. They are all over the place. You don't have to run and look and put an ear out to hear something wrong about our God and the truth. Because it is everywhere. There is a world of religious, sophisticated, nice-looking imposters working evil. They, they look so great, but they are working evil. And if we're not rejoicing in the Lord, and if we're not embracing His Word, we'll fall for it. And some people might be saying, I've been in this church longer than you've been alive, young man. But I tell you what, if we're not, if we're not rejoicing in the Lord, and if we're not in His Word, we're really walking naturally. And we're really, we're really easily enticed by what's natural. And that's, that's the secret of the false teacher. He's going to make you feel like he's, he's taking you through hoops into holiness, but he's actually bringing you into religion and a self-fulfilling, indulging lifestyle. Uh, a feel-good kind of lifestyle. That, and that's uh, exactly what we will naturally desire. I'm telling you, we're not going to press on without these four things that we are given tonight. They will tickle and they will flatter the natural side of us. You know, they love to, to reach you in a time of weakness. Don't get me wrong, there was, a, there was a time of weakness that I fell into and it led to my salvation in Jesus Christ. But the false teachers, they, they love to try to prey on you in a time of weakness. I had an aunt and an uncle and their marriage was so bad that the neighbors knew all about it from what went on inside their house verbally one with another. And one of the neighbors next door happened to be very instrumental in a cult. And so he went and he, and he caught them in their weakness. He caught them in, in that particular time that they were in. And they ended up divorcing, but they stayed separately in two different places in that same cult all of their lives. I'm so glad he came to my dad's 
funeral that I had the privilege to preach. And I got to preach the gospel of grace. The gospel of God's amazing grace. That my dad had zero works. But he went to heaven because late in his life, he trusted in Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he might... Don't let me take any credit away from my dad up there. He might have a few few things up there. Uh, but but he just wasn't saved very long and his health wasn't very good. But but my uncle got to hear the truth. And then he left a voicemail right before he died recently. And he said, Kenneth, I just want to tell you that I trust in Jesus Christ completely as my Lord and Savior. And I and I, I hope it's true. He would have he would have had to have renounced that cult in the end. I, I believe he would have done that. And uh but but false teachers, man, they're they're vicious trying to get to you. I mean, a broken marriage will will make somebody just just flock to whatever. And they know that. And they and they will go try to go to that. And they are very aggressive with an, with their offense. I had a church call me up kind of local in the area and I knew what they believed and it wasn't what we believe. And they invited us to a big youth event. And I said, I appreciate it so much, but I know that we don't agree on things. And, and you think things are still going on that the Bible teaches have ceased. So, I mean, we're, we're just going to gather with like-minded believers and I appreciate the invite. You would think that would have been nice enough to end it, but they went on and on. They just wanted to get our kids over there into that feel-good stuff that they were doing so they could take them from us I think I don't know but but they're very aggressive they have an offense they also have an opposition the cults anyone false look they they are opposed to the fact that Jesus Christ is God they don't believe Jesus Christ is God and they will not accept your salvation by grace through faith Something that you can have that, they would say, but something's got to be added to it. And you can mark them all by that. They have an opposition to God's grace. They have an opposition to salvation in the blood of Jesus Christ. And they establish their own way to God according to their own brainstorming. And then they want to draw a gathering in according to what they've conjured up and dictated to them that this is the way. It's so scary. We need to be grounded in the Word of God. There's, look, there's, there's, there's Christians everywhere that are of a condition that they could be swept off their feet by wrong teaching. And you're going to find it in so-called denominations of Christianity. God's Word is precise, and it means one thing. Everything you come across, it means one thing. But they are in opposition to Jesus being God and salvation by grace. There's something else that I want us to close with here for just a few minutes. Something else that there must be, and it looks like it's going on everywhere, and it looks like it's going on just really great, but I don't think... It's that way with everyone. And that is the worship of God I want us to close with and talk about. That we, in order to press on, there must be true worship. 
It says in verse 3, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Many people attend worship. Many people help the poor. Many people are baptized. Many people pray. A statistic 10 or 15 years ago said that 95% of the world prays. And, and so all of these things are actually, a, they're a part of worship. You know, there's many people that observe Good Friday that attend worship services on Easter and Christmas. And there are outward things that are a part of worship. I love the definition I found in Unger's Bible Dictionary one time of worship. And that is a way of life. Everything we do as a child of the Master is, is to be worshipped to Him. And so these exterior things are a part of worship but they're not the basis of worship. The basis of worship is the Spirit of God dwelling within the child of God. Worship is something spiritual. Worship is not something we can do no matter how hard we try to white-knuckle it. And, and we might have a great determination in some things, but it doesn't matter how determined a person is to worship God, they can't do it unless the Spirit of God is living in them. And by the way, the Spirit of God came to live in your heart the moment that you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and sometimes He's just there though, and sometimes He's dwelling. The Holy Spirit abides in us, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And, and the basis for you and I to worship the Lord, it's going to happen. It's something from the inside out. There's a lot of exterior things we do that's worship, but worship must start in the heart. People can go through the exterior motions of worship with a wrong heart. I mean, it happens all the time. People will walk into the house of God and said and, and, and appear to be reverent and, and attentive to what's being said and bow their head in prayer and they are no more worshiping the Lord than, than that mouse outside in the grass somewhere. People can go through the exterior motions and not truly be worshiping. It's something that must happen within. We can't, we, we can't have, we can't be wrong on the inside and be worshiping the Lord. It must be the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's something that you and I, we have confessed our sins. We are thinking about the Lord. We are considering what the Lord is going to do. We're anxious for the power of His Word to go forth. We're, we're exalting Him in our heart and in our mind. Worship 
True worship, it's something that goes on within. We're, to pro- we're not to prepare our, our feet and our hands and our arms for the beginning of worship, but our hearts. We need to have our hearts right with God. When David fouled up, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within. And worship is from within. It requires a right heart. We worship God in the Spirit and we have no confidence in the flesh. We, in and of ourselves, naturally, we, we can't worship God. That if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We're free to worship God when we have trusted Christ and we become that spiritual being. The flesh cannot engage spiritually. It's a, it's a spiritual, deep within type of worship. We can't have any confidence in anything to do with ourselves, only what God has done in us. Well, four things here. Four things so that you and I can continue to press on. I hope I might get to be in here some for one of the greatest chapters in the Bible uh, as far as what I believe. But remember these things to press on. What are they? What are they? We've got to uh, rejoice in the, in the Lord. We've got to feast on the Word of the Lord. We have to know what's not the word of the Lord. And then what did we just close with? The worship. The word, true, true worship of the Lord. Let us not be those that would just, just come in clueless and, and stay that way. And nothing happens within. You know, that's why so many people love religion. Because they can keep God away with a 10-foot pole and just go through the rituals. And go through the motions. And go have their, 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 their feel-good, indulging lifestyle. And then come for religion. We can't, we, we can't do that in Christ. We can't do that and be able to press on. Well, let's, let's have a word of prayer right here in the middle of the service. And then turn it over to you all for, for singing praises to God and all you're going to do. Um, brother, would you, would you take us to the Lord in a word of prayer?